0: Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to Einstein's Growth Podcast. This is the first episode. And today, if you are the kind with excuses, I'm sorry, this is not for you. But if you are the kind who likes to destroy excuses, this is for you. Because my guest for today is a badass at killing excuses. When you say entrepreneurs, business owners, the age that comes to you is if you are over 30 or 40, it's over for you. But today's guest is not that kind of person. Today's guest is someone who is a badass I'm saying it for the second time and I'm gonna say it for the third time because she really is a badass and yes it's a she the wonderful financial coach Susan Greenalch from Mind Your Money.
1: Thank you so much Walid. wow it's a pleasure to be here I'm so excited to be your first guest.
0: I'm excited because you are my first guest. Yeah. You can tell us a little bit about your background you can introduce us to yourself so we would have a better idea about who is Susan.
1: Absolutely absolutely so I am a newly minted accredited financial counselor. I say newly minted. It's just been a year that I um, got my certification. So I have an accounting degree. Uh, I had worked in accounting my whole life. I live in Rhode Island, which is the smallest state in the US. And um, and I think that's pretty badass in itself, like when you live in the smallest state and you love it. So I became, um, I became a financial coach because of what I had done with my own life, how I had gotten myself financially fit, wanting to do the things that I wanted to do without a lot of money, without a lot of support, Uh, I needed to make sure that I understood what my goals were, how I was going to get there financially, and then go do them. So one of the things that I like to talk about is I wanted to live in the Caribbean for uh, a few years, and I went and did it. And it wasn't easy. It, It wasn't easy. I had to get myself get my mortgage paid down, get my bills paid down, stock money away in my 401k. And And I did that and I never look back and I want to help other people do that.
0: When you were talking my head was popping ideas Oh, I have to ask this one and this one and that one because you said a lot of different things that really matters and we should keep in mind and the first thing I want to know is how did you do it to fit in with money because I know a lot of people they have really bad relationship with money and how did you do it? Yeah well
1: you know money is complex it's um, our emotions and our feelings around money are very complex, very subconscious. We don't we don't even think about it. Uh, Most most of us don't. I do now in my work, I think about it all the time when I'm meeting with clients and I want to uncover how they really are feeling about money, how they came to those feelings. Uh, We don't even realize how much we pick up from our parents, from marketing, from you know, all this flashy stuff, like you want to be rich and uh you're gonna have this great life and all all this craziness really. So it is very complex. It's uh, unconscious and you want to uncover that. So for me, um, I just went at it very kind of bullheaded. I I knew what I wanted to do. I knew for me to feel financially secure. I needed to make sure that I had a certain amount of debt paid off and a certain amount of money put away in my retirement. So when I was 50 years old, uh, that's, that's what led up to it. And when I was 50 years old, that's when I went to live in the Caribbean for was supposed to. Be three months, and it turned into three years because I had just such a vision of oh my gosh, I'm here now, and I'm meeting people, and I'm working, and I can buy a condo, and I did, and and I did all these crazy things. I came back home, I rented out my house here, and that was part of my financial plan. I needed to do that in order to be able to support what I wanted to do in the Caribbean. So uh, I, I worked. I, it's not a life of leisure. I mean, I'm not you know eating bonbons on the pool terrace, uh, when I'm (laughs) there, right. Uh, even this year, I hope to go, uh, even with COVID and I'll be working, I'll be seeing clients. I'll be zooming with my clients because that's what I love to do. And that's what I want to do. So it's really uh, starts with always with your goals. That's the conversation that you need to have. You have to get really clear about your goals.
0: It's all about goals. And I want to talk about your goals. But first, I want to go back a little bit to money and emotions. I'm, I'm really, really interested in that part money and emotions because emotions guide us in life. And I was wondering, do you have stories about money and emotions like if you have one about customers who are really suffering and it was caused by money, how did you help them? What's their story? How your services did change their lives?
1: So a couple of clients come to mind. One in particular was a young man who was a friend of the family, actually, and he was in some bad uh, situation with his school debt. He, uh, start, start, he was trying to work full-time nights and go to school during the day. He ended up getting sick and ended up in the hospital his family situation uh, with his parents kind of took a turn to the bad. And he was really floundering. Uh, He left school and didn't uh, didn't actually resign from school. So he ended up with a bill of over $10,000 and he he shouldn't have had it. He should have had financial aid. So he came to me and we started working on it together. And he was, you know, he was losing sleep. He thought this has ruined my life. I'm never going to be able to pay this bill. And it took about six months, but we worked through it and you know by calling people that we needed to call and putting in an application for a compassionate appeal on the on the claim. So ultimately the bill was reduced. And uh, I mean through that process it, it took a lot of patience. It took a lot of determination. You needed to we needed to know who did we have to talk to what did we have to send them? We had to have medical records and school grades and work history, and all of this stuff to make the case that he shouldn't shouldn't have this bill. So that's one of the ones that I really remember as making a huge difference in somebody's life, because he now could see a future where before he was losing sleep and just thought his life was ruined because of it.
0: Yeah, this is something that we have to keep in mind. If we want to, to be better and feel better our, about ourselves, we need to get educated about money, because Money, yes, money is not everything, but money can solve a lot of problems in our lives.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And and when you bring up the word education, I mean, that's the thing that really just rises up in me and, and I get very passionate about. In the US, only 21 states require any, any kind of financial education. It, it's just, it, it's amazing to me. Um, and even some of those states that do require it, it's not what I would call a robust education. So we're not educating. Our, our high school students or even our college students about financial literacy. But then we put them out there and we want them to not fall into debt and make really good financial decisions without the backing of a financial education. So I don't uh, understand that. And I'm working towards changing that. So I consider the work that I do with people really a financial education. So I've got I got myself financially educated. That's what I did when I became an accredited financial financial counselor, there was, you know, three huge textbooks to go through uh, personal finance, debt and counseling, how to learn how to counsel somebody. My accreditation, it's the math, it's the education and it's the empathy. That's what I bring to the table. So you talk about emotions. It's not just a math problem. It's not just two plus two equals four. It's how were you brought up around money? How are you feeling about money? How are you feeling about yourself? What do you want to do with your future? And then how do do we get there bite by bite, step by step with taking into account all that you have within you um, that is going to give you the life that you want to lead.
0: You said one word that I love so much, which is empathy. What does that word mean to you?
1: It means I see you you know I hear you I respect your journey I've been there you know, my parents didn't have a lot six kids one parent worked neither one graduated high school so so I I have a very um, empathetic view when people come and they have uh, they they want to get smart about money they want to un- they understand that they have not been educated about money and they want to get educated and I'm like let's go we're gonna do this I did it I'm gonna do it with you now. So that's what empathy means. It means it's not I'm not one of those counselors or coaches that are like, you know, very stiff and, uh, and and I don't care about the person, I totally care about the person. And that to me is the most important thing, because that's going to tell me how you uh, how you want to break out of whatever kind of situation you're in, you're going to communicate that to me, we're going to do that together.
0: Right now, you just said something smart. And earlier you said goals and my head like (laughs) it it was connecting the dots you know me I love goals I love the smart goals so my head was like well you gotta ask her you gotta ask her smart and goals so you know me I'm a big fan of goals and yes yeah you did read my article that I wrote about goals and smart goals two years ago and I, I wanna hear your thinking about goals smart goals what do they mean to you why people should start having goals not only having them but writing them down and working on them
1: absolutely one of my favorite, favorite things that I've learned is I have always wanted to improve myself and I continue to do professional development. I belong to a few different groups. And one of the things that I learned at one of these the trainings was about SMART goals. So it's capital S-M-A-R-T. And so S stands for specific. M stands for measurable. A is can be actionable, means that you have, like you can do something about it. R is for realistic. You don't want to be like super pie in the sky and T is for time-based. So when you kind of follow S-M-A-R-T, you write down your goals and you have a very specific goal for instance, I want to lose five pounds in a month, or I want to save $500 in a year. That's a very specific goal. It's so much more concrete than saying, Oh, I I want to lose weight. Well, you're not going to get anywhere if you just say that day after day, unless you start running it down and putting an exact time limit on it and an exact amount. So I'm a firm believer in the mind, you know, to written word connection, when you can sit, there and you write something down, it's been proven that you have more of a connection to it, you will remember it, it's imprinted now in your brain, write down your goals, look at them every day. Some people use a vision board kind of thing. And that works. That helps. I think a vision board helps, as long as you have those specific goals written down in a time base, and then you track your progress. So smart goals are one of the things that I teach in all of my workshops. And I also talk about it with my clients. It is, it's, concrete it's actionable you'll get there if you practice smart goals you'll get to where you want to be
0: let's say um client i want to go like i don't know i want to go to paris and i need to to save some money how can i do it like using the smart smart goals method to save them money and to go to paris
1: yeah uh so i have a client that um i'm working with right now and so her uh her her goals are very similar to that only uh, only a little bit bigger she her goal, and she's in her fifties and her goal is that in uh, five years, she wants to be able to spend a year living in Iceland. And so we, that's specific. It's where does she want to go? It's time-based because she wants to do it within five years. It's realistic because she has the money to put aside each month towards that goal. And so she's using SMART goals to get that, that goal done. So just like if you want to, if you want to go to Paris, how much, you know, you need to know how much is it going to cost you to go to Paris? You're probably going to need to figure out how to get time off of work. You're going to hope that the pandemic is over so you can travel. (laughs) But I don't let the pandemic keep me from planning. I don't let the pandemic keep me from setting goals. And I think uh, it's a little off on a tangent, but I think for our mental health, it really is helpful to be thinking about the future. There there will be a time after the pandemic when we'll be able to do these things. So yeah, figure out when you're going to go. How long do you have to save? How much do you have to save? And then break it down. You're going to put money a week uh, per week away or per month. Put it away. Look at it. Look at it grow, because that's going to help your brain congratulate you, your brain, you're going to make your brain happy that you are making positive movement towards your goals. And then you're just going to want to do more of it.
0: Speaking of the pandemic, and probably going to hit the second wave, I was wondering what lessons did you learn from COVID?
1: (laughs) Oh, boy, you know, I can remember just being a few weeks in, in March, and and some people on social media were saying, Oh, I've learned so much. I've learned so much about, you know, myself and the pandemic. And I thought, oh, it's too soon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that we've <laughs> learned. We've. I haven't learned anything yet. I'm still in shock. I mean, I, I thought, I don't know. It's going to take a while for this to settle in and see how we've reacted to it and how we're going to come out the other side. So I think one of the things about the pandemic that, for me personally, is that I, I have such a connection with nature, and it's just been even more um, top of mind for me that when I uh, when I go out of my house and I go for a walk and I and I'm just like looking at the trees and I'm I'm feeling the air and I feel is it humid is it dry uh, the birds chirping oh there's a squirrel the leaves are falling I'm just so in tune with. It. And that is my sort of my meditation. So I, I just have even more of an appreciation for nature now, because it's really been healthy for me mentally to, you know, get out to walk to bike, and to be out in nature.
0: What does pandemic and money means to you?
1: Yeah, it, it's really highlighted the need for financial education. Uh, you know, we knew before the pandemic that, you know, most Americans didn't have $400 for an emergency expense. That was before the pandemic. And now we have people have lost their jobs. Uh, they've lost you know, a lot of optimism about the future. They are now panicked uh, on top of not having the money skills. Now they're in a state of panic about it that it's not a good place to be. So uh, for me, it's really heightened the need for financial education even more. And I will continue to fight for that. I want it, you know, I don't think I mentioned before, Rhode Island is not one of the states that offers, uh, that requires financial literacy in its schools. And I was part of a roundtable with the state government to look at that problem and change it when the pandemic hit. So I think that that has to be done. We have to, we owe it to our, to ourselves to require that training in schools. It's it's a dire time for people. It really, really is. Uh, we are needing to help people uh, with food, with housing. We're waiting for another stimulus from the government to, to help people. So um, I hope we learn this lesson now and we get people the financial education that they need. In my experience, people don't want a hand out. People want to take care of themselves. People want to be able to feed their families and have a roof over their heads and feel proud of themselves. So this is this is a really a bad situation financially for so many
0: people. Do you have any statistics that you would like to share about money with us?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, so the the ones that come to mind a lot are are that about not not being able to support, not being able to cover an emergency expense. So if you don't have four hundred dollars to cover, you know, like. Gun Got two flat tires, or your appliant your washer and dryer are not working or your're you know, some, something happened your, your child needs medical attention if you don't have even four hundred dollars you can see where that starts to snowball so you probably put that on a credit card if if you're able to have one if you've you know and you probably are paying high interest rates because you probably you know have missed a payment here or missed a payment there so now you're paying high interest rates and now you have bills that for money you haven't even made yet and you can see where just one thing leaves Leads to another, and people are just one minor little emergency away from being at the food bank, being in the food lines. So I, um, it ha- it's happened to so many people who, up until the pandemic, or up until losing a job, were living, you know, pretty well and pretty comfortably. So you can see where this can happen. And that's where the empathy comes in, because you need to be able to, as a financial coach and counselor, you, you want to put yourself in that person's shoes. And I can so see how easy it is for that to happen. The other thing that I think about a lot is that social security, uh, the average social security check right now in the US is $1,400. So that's not enough to cover really basic living expenses. So that's about 40% of what it's you're expected to need. So where is that other 60% going to come from? And that has to come from either you're going to continue working or you have some money set aside for retirement, but that's not, you know, people aren't going to be able to live on social security either. The other thing I think about a lot is kids getting out of high school and signing up for colleges that you know they're going to come out with debts of i think the average student debt right now is thirty thousand dollars coming out of colleges so right away before you even get a job you're thirty thousand dollars in debt we need to we need to let people live eyes wide open with education uh, so that they can make choices uh, so they can support themselves and uh, like a, i like to say is live their best life fully funded without the financial stress
0: I know women are making less than men, like they make only 81% of what men make. What do you think about this? What should be done to improve this situation? Because this is not something that we would like to leave as a legacy for the future generation.
1: Right, right. It, it's crazy in this day in 2020 that women make 81% of what men make. Women of color make, you know, a lot less. It, and so, women and people of color have been kind of left left behind in the in the prosperity that you know is supposed to be the U.S. economy. Uh, there's been improvements. We're uh, we're moving in, I think, the right direction. Uh, it was only a few years ago that women were about 74% of what men made. And so now we're 81% and that's good, but that's still, you know, 19% less. So for women who live longer than men, you know, now they're making less than men, generally they take time out of their career to, to raise children that, you know, that will impede their career. And that's probably what leads to the 81%. Um, So we need to make, we just need to, I think acknowledging a problem, putting a name to it, tracking it is one of the first things we do, but then having, you know, you know setting those smart goals let's get some smart goals going right <laughs> let's attack yeah. let's attack the problem what's the problem be specific be measurable be actionable be realistic let's move forward let's bring women and people of color into line with white men and we'll all enjoy the prosperity that is uh, supposed to be the United States economy.
0: What do you think that we should do to ensure a better position to for what is coming up next?
1: Oh, so how can we position ourselves now for what's next? Yeah. And yeah.
0: Protect ourselves.
1: Yeah. I, well, gosh, there's so many things, you know, that during this time when, if we're going to be, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you're about to be shut down again. Uh, a lot of places are, are getting shut down again, trying to do whatever you can, uh, Uh, to keep yourself mentally and physically active and healthy, continue professional development. Uh, You know, I mentioned before I was 50 years old when I um, had my great adventure in the Caribbean and I was over 60 years old when I became an accredited financial counselor. So I am full proponent of you are never too old to do anything. What was it? Michelangelo said at 87, he was still learning. Yeah, keep learning, keep learning. Learning, use this time. There's so many resources available online. Stay connected as best you can if you're in a lockdown situation. You know, Zoom seems to be the thing that's keeping us all together now, thankfully, for it. But um yeah, I just um I love learning. Keeps me ha keeps me happy.
0: Once you stop learning, you start dying.
1: And yeah.
0: I wanna ask you a personal question. When did you start your business? How old were you?
1: I was sixty two. I was
0: sixty-two. All right. Sixty one so or
1: sixty-one you, or sixty-two. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So if you just excuse me. Did you listen then number? <laughs> Stop making excuses. Please, 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 I'm begging you, stop making excuses. There is no such thing as I'm too old for doing that. I'm too old for leaving that relationship. Oh my gosh, I can't do that business anymore. Get your shit together and start doing something that you enjoy.
1: I second that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, uh, you know, I was on a, um, I was on a training the other day and, uh, a a woman, a black woman, an older black woman who talked about, you know, she's, you know, she, she's aware of discrimination. She's aware of, uh, discrimination against women, uh, discrimination against older women, discrimination against black people, and she has powered through and and done things and her advice and I won't forget this. It was don't be afraid to be afraid. And I've been afraid. I've been afraid. I was afraid when I went, you know, when I had that audacious goal to go live in the Caribbean for a little bit. I, you know, I had to leave my job and oh, I was it was gut wrenching. <laughs> I was afraid. Um, Uh, But the pull of doing it was stronger than being afraid. I was afraid when I left my job three or four years ago to start my business. I was afraid, I, but I really wanted to do it. I knew I wanted to do it. And I kept saying to myself, if not now, when? So I, I, love, uh, I love that quote, you know, don't be afraid to be afraid. Power through it, work through it. If it really means something to you, you'll do it.
0: Don't be afraid to be afraid. I love this one, yeah. this is a good one. Mm-hmm. And speaking of being afraid, why do you think people are afraid of learning new things? You know me, I, I'm really into books. I love reading books and improving myself. And what I see, I think I did read something that the average readers in the U.S., they don't even read one book per year. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about the, the statistics, but I know not only in the U.S., but in the world. Average readers, they don't even read one book per year, while the average CEOs, like the most and the busiest persons in the world, they read 50 And plus book per year. I know that Warren Buffett reads five hours a day. Yeah. What are your your thoughts about people being afraid of learning?
1: You know, I I don't know that it's really being afraid of learning. I think we are um, we are drawn to the easy thing. We're drawn to being anesthetized, right? TV, Facebook. You know, all of those things are, they're made to draw us in and not let us go. And it's comforting. And it's, you know, know—they—you know inertia, doing nothing is a huge draw. It's comfortable to do nothing and not get anywhere until you start in your head, start saying, I'm not happy with where I am. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. This My life isn't good. My life isn't good. When that pull of feeling, uncomfortable about that outweighs the draw of doing nothing or procrastinating, that's when you take action. That's when you start reaching out. That's when you start saying, I need to be educated. I want to be educated. I want out of this. I don't know if I had a magic pill that I could give people that said, you know, now's the time, you know, put down the phone, put down, you know, shut off the TV, start learning, start improving, start being curious, be curious about the world. The world is so full of wonder and so many wonderful things. It's not what you're seeing on, you know, Fox News and CNN. That's not the real world. Um, So you need to connect with people. And that's why, you know, I'm so happy that you and I connected, Waleed, because I, I love your curiosity about the world, too.
0: Thank you. I appreciate this. You know, talking about doing nothing, it it just reminded me of a saying that I love so much, which is an idle mind is the devil's workshop. And this is like the first time that I did read it, it hit me like some karate guy or some martial arts artist. It was like, bam, wake up. Yeah, in your face, this is good. Because the time that I did read that saying, I was doing nothing and I was feeling like in hate relationship with myself. And I was like, why am I doing nothing? Like, why am I doing that, why? And the more I started digging deeper into understanding why am I doing nothing, the more I, I started embracing that emptiness. And somehow that emptiness gave me strength to to start doing something.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: My advice is don't be afraid of being afraid. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah, just do something. Yeah, just do something step by step. This is how you learn. This is how you live. It,
1: you know, and you, and you, just reminded me that's so interesting, and I had forgotten about it. But when I was planning on leaving my job in two thousand and six, um, and and moving, yeah, I was going to only go to the Caribbean for three months, and that that was a huge step for me. I mean, I had done not, nothing like that ever in my life, and I, like I said, it was gut wrenching. I thought, oh, are you crazy? You're going to leave this job? And I, I really, uh, I. Ch- in with people and I was worried about it, but I was planning to do it. And then at one day I said, you know what I am not doing, I can't do it. I cannot, I'm not going. And a friend of mine came over and I, I just looked at him. I said, I'm not going it's over. I'm not doing it. And he was like, wow. Um, and then literally the next day something came over me and I said, I'm Doing it, I had gotten so low thinking that it was too much. It was too stressful. It was too overwhelming. And when I realized that I wasn't going to do it, I was so disappointed in myself. And I said, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I did it. and It was the best thing. It was a real highlight for me. It gave me strength to do more. You know, it showed that I could do it. And I just, I loved it. I embraced it the whole time I was there.
0: It's a good that you did find yourself when you did overcome comfort zone that you have been. Yeah. So right. speaking of the comfort zone, I'm gonna give you three words, and I would like you to tell me what what do they mean to you. So the first one is gonna be comfort zone.
1: What does comfort zone mean to me? Comfort zone. I think Think for me means it's like balance. I think about I think about balance. and I think we all want balance. Sometimes you're overwhelmed with things you're trying to do and goals that you have, and it, and it can it can be overwhelming. Other other times I'm like, oh, I'm bored. I need to do something. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna always operate kind of in that middle balance for me. That's comfortable where I have. Enough to keep me super engaged and looking forward, but not enough where it's so overwhelming. So that's what that means to me.
0: So my second word to you is freedom. What does freedom means to Susan?
1: Freedom for me means it means having financial security and to not be stressed about money. I don't have oodles and endless amounts of money by any means, but I have enough so that I don't worry, and I've you know paid down my debt. And I put money, as I said before, into my retirement. So I don't worry about that so much. So that that's a freedom to me. That's the that's the freedom that I had to leave to leave my job, which was a great job. The, the uh, most recent job that I had was a great job. Um, but I wanted to have this experience of sharing what I've learned about financial wellness with other people. And I again said, if not now, when? I, you know, I said that at fifty. If not now, when? If I don't go to the Caribbean now, when am I going to go? And if I don't start my business now at sixty-one or whatever it was, when am I going to do it? So I did it. So that's what freedom is. The freedom is having the ability to do the things that you want to do and not be living in a stressful situation because of it. it I really yeah, love it,
0: this one. Yeah, yeah. So my third word is success. What does success mean? Success means to you. So
1: I think success for me means you know, living a life that is not stressful, certainly not stressful around financial matters. I mean, there will always be things I mean, there'll be things in your family and sickness and things that will will cause you stress, but being able to manage them and being able to go through them whole and with a, a healthy outlook, I think it is my idea of success. My idea of success is to be able to explore the world, explore people, be curious, and be healthy mentally and physically and financially.
0: Yeah. So if you could give three different advice to three different ages, what would be those advices?
1: Ah, so like 20-year-old and a 40-year-old and a 60-year-old maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I think about those people all the time. <laughs> you yeah. know, so um, yeah, for twenty-year-olds, uh, it's hard to make a twenty-year-old understand what the most important th- thing that they have, and the most important thing that they have is longevity. They have a long life ahead ahead of them. It's very hard at twenty to see that. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I didn't start really being serious about my money till I was in my thirties. Till I was well in my thirties. So, but if I could go back, what I hear from people that are in their 60s. So this is the little secret for the 20-year-olds. The biggest regret they have is not saving money early and not investing money early. So I would say that for the 20-year-olds. Like even if you don't believe me, even if you don't care right now, just start putting money away even if it's a little bit. $10 a week. Put it away, start saving it or investing it and just can get into that habit. Get into the habit and you'll be thank you won't be 60 years old saying, "Oh, I wish I, wish I had started saving early for the 40 year olds. I say, I know you have a lot going on. You generally have parents that are getting older. You have kids. Sometimes you have a career that you're, that you're starting. You're pulled in every, every single direction. As far as your money do spend 15 minutes a day or an hour a week, thinking about your finances, setting your goals and automate stuff, automate your savings, automate your bill paying. Don't let that impinge upon your happiness right now, but just make some steps in the right direction. For 60 year old, I say, Hey, what's what are you gonna do next? You know, what are you gonna do next? Your retirement is not cool. Don't retire. Do something that you've always wanted to do. What is it? How can you just start making steps in that direction? Go for it.
0: Speaking of retirement, I did read a study that says and claims that people who retire earlier, they die earlier than people who keep working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that too. I think there's a change happening. I I don't think, you know, it seems like it used to be maybe 40 years ago, people would like, oh, I'm going to retire at 62 or 60 or whatever it was. And then they, you know, on a Friday they leave work and on Monday morning, they're like sitting there and they have no idea how to structure their day, what's going to make them happy. And they get, you know, they end up not doing well. I think we've learned a lot about that now. and We're absolutely much more active than we used to be, you know, what is it, 60s, is the new 40. Yeah, 40s, the new 60. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, but definitely we're more active than than we used to be. So yeah, I don't, I, you know, we have to have things that we're passionate about. Find your passion, try different things. This
0: just reminded me of the, of a movie by Robert De Niro. Uh, I think it was Internship. Oh. I don't know if you have seen the movie. I don't think I have. Re- it's really a good one.
1: Yeah? Oh, okay, yeah.
0: cool. It's really a good one. I'll, I'll just have suggest- to check it suggest- out. Yeah. So Susan, if you could suggest only one, one book to read, what would that book be?
1: Oh my gosh, just one book to read? Oh, that's hard. I I don't know. Why does Catcher in the Rye come up? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm thinking about right now. Uh, And not so much a money book. I mean, I have money books that I could, um, that I could offer one, one of the money books that I like to recommend is called Mind Over Money. It's by Dr. Brad Klontz and his dad, Dr. Ted Klontz. That is a really good money book. And it, it starts getting into what I talked about earlier about the money and emotions. We are, you know, we need to see ourselves in some of the stories that he has in the book to understand what we're fighting against, because it. It is a fight sometime we're fighting against the marketers we're fighting against inertia we're fighting against our inability to see what we can really do uh, if we put our mind to it so i think mind over money is a really eye-opening book about some of the quote-unquote money disorders that plague us that really keep us from our dreams
0: one last question before ending our amazing conversation is what legacy do you want to leave
1: I I would like to leave a legacy of curiosity. So, one of the things that struck me, I was on a plane and I picked up the magazine and I I learned about a nonprofit, and I'll have to find out the name of it. And the nonprofit provides passports for people that couldn't afford them otherwise. And I started thinking about that and I went home and I said, okay, when my nieces and nephews get to be 18, I'm going to buy them their passports. So, I've done that. I have bought them their passports and I've taken my niece. So, also as part of that when they graduate high school i take them on a trip so I've, I've been able to take one so far on a trip and we went to ireland and it was amazing just me and my niece you know for a week in ireland and then i was supposed to take my nephew to, to italy this summer but we have to postpone it so i want to leave a legacy of curiosity about the world and a sense of connectedness and the idea that we should celebrate diversity
0: Susan, you have been a wonderful guest, Thank a wonderful you. episode number one. Oh,
1: Thank you episode so number much. one. I know. Yeah. That rocks.
0: <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Waleed. It's been so amazing. And for sharing a lot of wisdom, a lot of insights with audience. I'm really super, super excited about this episode. And I'm hoping to have you in the future for another episode where you will date us about what, what happened between the first one and X number. I, I would love
1: to. Happened. I would
0: love to. So thank you so much for this amazing talk. It has been a real pleasure.
1: Thank you. Uh, me for, uh, as well. Thank you, Waleed.